Introducing your host, from New York, here is Sam Roberts. What'd you think? You were done with me? I was going to hit you once this week and that'd be it? Never. Welcome. Welcome to a special edition of Not Sam Wrestling. We've got a we've got a guest, Brian Myers, who I'm sure you all are well aware of, whether it be from his time in uh, Impact Wrestling that is ongoing, whether it be his time as Kurt Hawkins previously in the WWE, whether it be as a host of the Major Wrestling Figure podcast, or 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 all above, uh, is uh, here in the Not Sam Studio with me. So I wanted to bring you this interview as a special edition of Not Sam Wrestling, undistracted by everything else. Of course, uh, Impact Wrestling will be at the Westchester County Center uh, coming up, uh, I believe, September 8th and 9th. Probably should have written it down, but we talk about it in the interview. So I'll be there. Make sure that you're there, too. Um, also, this whole interview is on the Not Sam Wrestling YouTube channel as well. So if you're a a, a visual consumer of content, Head over to youtube.com slash notsamwrestling. You can watch this entire interview as you can, Not Sam Wrestling, every single week. Uh, let's get right into it, baby. Bonus pod this week, Impact Wrestling's own Brian Myers. The Not Sam Wrestling Interview. Back in the Not Sam studio, he is uh, well, he's a toy maker podcaster, and the most professional wrestler. Ladies and gentlemen, Brian Myers is here. What's going on, man? Sam, this is a big mistake. I thought Yeah, they told me to do the Broken Skull Sessions. No, this is... It's not Sam Wrestling. God no. damn it. Yeah. We're off to a bad start. No, I don't, I don't How even... about that? <laughs> Drove all the way up here. <laughs> anyway. I, the, the, yeah. the amount of memes that that show has made on its own. Oh, it's... It's like I think it's a very niche thing, but if you're into it, yeah. Like sometimes I'm like, I'll watch like him and Nash, and I'm like, if you're not a wrestler or like a really, really, really diehard wrestling fan, knowledgeable wrestling fan, like this must sound like gibberish the yeah. way they're talking, right? Yeah, yeah. That's you have well, to go. So I love it, but I don't know about the casual person at home if they could watch that. No, a hundred percent. Like I love deep. how deep it's it goes deep. in. Yeah, you got to be serious because it's also like the idea that somebody on Austin's level is still like that obsessed with the intricacies of course. and details Dude, like, wrestling is i say it all the time it's so strange and bizarre you have to love it to be involved in it and to get to the levels like of stone Cold Steve Austin, like he has to love it you can't yeah. just fake that you know well so like you're also an interesting case in that realm because like you and broski got success so early like you got to wwe so early yes that you didn't do i mean you were in Long Island or whatever, but you didn't have a huge indie run or anything. Like you got your feet wet in like, WWE and OVW. Um, we're literally children amongst men, right? And we had to figure shit out fast, or like <laughs> we knew we'd be future endeavored, and somehow we were able to do that. But my my in my mind, like I you know just grew up a lifelong wrestling fan, and just the more I found it, you know, it went on and on and on. And then once I found independent wrestling, I was like. Because I'm going to these shows and like actually talking to Chris Candido or Simon Diamond, like losing my mind, like after the show, like picking their brain about telling them that I want to be a wrestler and stuff. So my dream, I I was like the the biggest CM Punk fan, and I wanted to be him. I wanted to travel the country in my car and work work my way up through everything. Maybe, maybe do Ring of Honor and then move on, like Japan, whatever. And then 
Nope, signed at 21 years old. Now, I'm not complaining. Or signed at 20 years old. I'm not <laughs> complaining, but it was just out of this world, you know, beyond my wildest, you know. Yeah, that's what I was kind of wondering, because, like, yeah, you were such a fan of, like, Ring of Honor in the DVD era and, like, an ECW fan before that and everything that you had to go back and find the independence again after you had already been in. Which, which I totally did, and I got out of my system. and Yeah. For sure. When I, That's why I was, like, when I got fired the first time... Mark around called me and I was like, oh, thank God. Like I was so relieved uh-huh. because I wanted to live that dream and I did, you know. Yeah, and I felt like that run was all about like that's when you were doing like the barbed wire matches with Just like whatever, man. Kevin Matthews, like it, all the stuff that you wanted there, to do. I look back on it like in almost like a romantic way because like I didn't make a lot of money in WWE. Uh-huh. I kind of foolishly cut my hair. So now I don't even look like what I look like on TV. So I'm like literally starting from scratch and I'm taking like every payday I can because I legit need it you know what i mean to like make my living so it's a lot different than now right um and that's i mean but that's one of those little things right what you just said about cutting your hair like that has to just be because experience like you anyone with the experience would know at least in the beginning you gotta look like you just came off tv and dude yeah i mean like and i cut it in hopes that wwe was going to use me a year prior to getting fired you know it wasn't like i just did it and got fired but it was bad timing. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it, it made me like liter- literally scratch and claw and um, appreciate, you know, wrestling, right. of course. And then I'm sure when you got back to WWE, you had a completely different perspective. Totally. On and, the you business pre- and you as appreciate a whole. things. And that's how, like, you know, I can see the losing streak and the foresight of something like that where most people would be just sad about losing all the time. And I'm like, wait, this could be a really cool spot if this is like my gimmick. Right. You know, right. I, I think that's like, the open-mindedness that I had, you know, with all those experiences. The, the business, Matt and I say this all the time, it's a roller coaster ride, man. Yeah. It can't all be, we all can't be Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns rules, and he's freaking awesome. Yeah. And he's the best. But that's his spot. There's not, like, 14 of those spots. There's, right. There's, there's one. Right. You know? And he basically created that spot. That spot didn't even exist before he got it. So, like, right. it can't all be just winning and being awesome and massive paydays and stuff, you know? It's just... uh you got to take the good with the bad. But there is that thing, right, with the like the losing streak, for example, where you're now smart enough to know that it's way better, even if you're going to lose every match, to have a story that immediately everyone in the audience knows exactly who you are. That's why I love what it. the story yep. is. And I, I weirdly had the foresight of like, well, this could be something, something better than what I'm doing than just random guy in the roster that's not doing anything. Right. And then I might have told you the story, but like, at one point when it was becoming a thing. We were at Barclays, and one of the writers comes out of the meeting and goes, today's your lucky day. Vince said he wants to give you a, a win on your home in your hometown, which is Brooklyn, which I would never really consider my hometown. <laughs> Home state, I guess you could say. And he goes, against Heath Slater on main event. And I'm just like, I'd, I'd rather not. And they're like, you know, no one has to lose in WWE because everyone's such a mark for themselves. Like, right. like, it's an unheard of thing. I'm like, I really would rather not. Like, no, like, I think there's something to this, and I'd rather, I'm like... And um, lucky enough, I said, let me get this, like, am I wrong in thinking this? Everyone is aware of my losing streak here except Vince, right? And they were like, that's probably safe to say. I was like, then can we just, like, nudge him about it and see what he says? And thank God they, they were cool enough to do that. And he was like, oh, great, you know, and went with it. So, But if I was such a mark for myself right. and felt like, man, I could really just get this one on Heath. Maybe things will roll. Like, it'd just be ridiculous. Like, that match would have been forgotten by the time I got back through the curtain, you know? Of course. It's, and it's not like anybody, yeah. like, from a fan perspective, it's not like every, anybody goes like, oh, no, no, no. He beat 
Heath Slater <laughs> on main event. Here's the real silver lining of the whole story. Heath loves winning. So he, he was like, yeah. <laughs> you know, there it that's is. A, we're like, a... One of my best friends, but man, does he love to win a wrestling match? <laughs> yeah. How did the how did the, well, okay, so there's a couple of things coming off of that because <laughs> I also just think it's uh it's a pretty good sign that Vince even knows that that's your hometown, that he's thoughtful and goes like, Oh yeah, Hawkins. I, is- I always had a great relationship with him and somewhere along the lines, and this was in my first run. I did something and I don't know where it was or when or how or what match it was, but he went, he's a good hand. Like if I need someone to look great, he's my go-to guy. And I for sure was, I mean, like between like training with the rock and things like that. Or I remember one time when uh, Neville Paca called up, they wanted, they, he said in the meeting, Rodo came out and told me like, he was like, he's got to work with Hawkins. Cause I want to see what he's got. And hopefully we can like make like a highlight video, like a vignette for this guy out of the, this match. Like, cause I know Hawkins will be able to do all his cool stuff, like things like that and things he said to my face. So I don't know, I don't know how it happened, but and it's maybe not the best way to be seen. Like, I don't know if he saw me as the superstar, but it's definitely a, a, a flattering in the sense that he knows I'm capable of what I'm supposed to be doing. Right, like it's gotta feel good to know that he's like, what, like something that you did. Right. Right. Like piqued his interest and he yeah. looks at everything. Yeah. And then and then whether it's true or not, I don't know, because Mark Carano's one, you know, one of the biggest liars in the history of wrestling. But <laughs> I got hurt in twenty eighteen. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget. It was like the fall of twenty eighteen. I uh, I got hernia, which isn't a big deal, but I had to have surgery and was like gonna be out for two months. And I had at this point I'd been on the road two years straight doing losing streak thing, and I was like, Oh shit, this is kinda cool. I can kinda like, you know, hang at home with my daughter and watch football and this won't be so bad. Got it all situated. The next day Carano's calling me and I'm like heck why is he calling me and he's like hey vince saw your name on the injury report but he'd rather you intern as like a producer the whole time you're out to learn that side of the business and blah blah blah. so that was that was his word and actually carano told me when he rehired me that vince picked my name off a list of potential people like so wow so there is some kind of kismic connection i do yeah and then actually and And it makes sense though like why would he like who else would have been like oh yeah let's get kurt hawkins back here as a producer like it Kind of checks out that so Vince would. There's something along yeah. the lines where he just realized that I was capable of what I was capable of. I guess you know, yeah, making, making other people look really good. Yeah, but yeah. that's like a that's a really yeah. valuable. I just take skill. pride in it. like not for nothing. It's a you know predetermined outcome. Like why would I not? It takes two to tango, right? Like like I you can only be as awesome as I'm gonna make you look. Right. So why wouldn't do a great job at that? Right. That's what made the loser streak so much fun. It's like. Cool. What's your finish? Awesome. I'll take it the best. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not even like remotely marking out for myself or trying to get my SHIT in. Yeah. Am I allowed to you curse? Can curse. Yeah, oh, yeah. let's fucking go. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is, that is a weird thing about wrestling that, that no matter how long we've all known what we're watching, there is this like, oh, yeah, he's really good. He wins all the matches. Right. <laughs> like, what Dude, do you. I, I remember this, and this is a complete burial, but like, I felt like Mojo Raleigh felt like he couldn't get advice from me because he's like oh, no, i'm not gonna he loses all the time <laughs> like not that i didn't know what i was doing like i got that vibe for him he was like, oh no this guy he loses well, i'm not gonna ask him if that was a good match or advice about what happened you know i'm like i really got that sense that he That's, thought like yeah I hope, honest to god just for yeah. the story i hope it's true like i, <laughs> no, hope I, god I mean it's true. sure i hope it's true too <laughs> yeah when you did you enjoy being a producer i did yeah it was fascinating actually and i knew and that's the other thing by the way though like if that's your first run, you're still super young. Like you're, were you in your dude? That's late 2018. 20s? Yeah, some 33. 33 the producer spot. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Um, the the one thing that bothered me the most was like I've been such a 
just a big dumb pro wrestler my whole life that like to be back like wearing a suit and like listening in a meeting i was like <laughs> terrified of that <laughs> like that was the scariest part but then once i got the hang of it like okay this is exactly what i've been doing it's just doing it a different way you know relaying it you know through a headset and a microphone or whatever or talking to my talent and brainstorming about matches and stuff you know and then the other great part was you know vince mcmahon's your boss but no matter what you see him and it's like you know you, you, he walks by and your butthole tightens up you're like you know he makes you nervous whatever this I was able to be like, hey, Vince, like, I could talk to him. We would text and, like, whatever. Like, that's awesome. Really broke that barrier down, which, when I was talented again, was super great to have, you know, where I could just talk to him, like, you know, what's yeah. up? Yeah. Did yeah. you, and does it also, like, and maybe, or unless you already knew, does it also go, oh, okay, now I understand what they're looking for or how these messages get exactly. related? Like, going that forward too, when a producer right? tells yes. so you. Not, it made me a better performer, too, because. I know exactly like what they do and don't like or what they're looking for kind of thing. Right. Or like maybe, oh, this, this isn't to, personal. Like yes. this is a thing. That too, man. And I would love to say this in defense of all the WWE writers, people like everyone's like, oh, they're fucking me. Dude, these guys are not fucking you. They, they, they're doing the best they can to, <laughs> for the best they possibly can, but they they can only do so much is yeah. really what the end of the, you know, the story is there. Like not even close to like, if you think a writer's fucking you, you need to look in the mirror and, it's somebody else. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But there's also that, like, I mean, performance in general, wrestling or otherwise, is such, like, there's such a narcissistic element to it that the idea of, no, I'm getting screwed over here course, versus, no, they're not even considering it. That's why I said everyone's, you know, loves it and it's very passionate. It's yes. not just like this fucking desk job you go to and you forget about when you leave. It's like, it's if you love it, it should be on your mind 24-7 and kind of consuming you. And that that's just the way it goes. You know, it only makes sense. How was, uh, and I might have talked to you about this in the past, but working with The Rock and like getting him, it was the match with Cena, right? That you and and uh, uh, Joe Henning got him ready for? Is that yeah, right? Yeah, so um, that was, I thought I was getting fired for the first time. <laughs> I'm on, I was actually on the train to go on a date with my now wife. Uh, so I'll never forget it. And Johnny Ace was calling me and I'm like, oh no, this can't be good. Because I'm like, Jabron, Kurt Hawkins doing nothing. I'm like, here we go. And then he's like, Hey, hold on. They're patching in Joe Hennig. And I'm going like, what on earth could be going on now? <laughs> and then he explained to us that, like, he said that, like, he and Hunter decided that we would be, like, the best candidates to be, like, his training guys. So, like, it was pretty crazy. We were, like, his, like, secret agent crash test dummies. The travel aid would just call you at the drop of the hat and be like, Dwayne wants to train tomorrow. He's in New Orleans. Do you have a 7 a.m. there and a 7 p.m. home? And, like, you just go and there would be a ring set up in a warehouse. And then on the flip side, The Rock couldn't have been cooler like the coolest freaking dude ever like just was you, you're around somebody and you go oh this is why this guy is one of the most successful dudes ever on earth it's just like because the way he carries himself and the way he handles his business and stuff is just and like i said me and joe were just complete jabrones and he was like so cool to us yeah i think that that's also i mean it goes back to being a producer too it's part of that thing that people don't always consider is the relationships that you're building now it's like mm -hmm. in what other context does Kurt Hawkins and Michael McGillicuddy right? hang out with The Rock. In what other no. context than you being a producer are you building that relationship with Vince McMahon? Where you're, right. That's it's totally. it's great. Yeah, and if I was talent bothering Vince, you're just talent bothering Vince. It's a little different right. when you're like trying to learn and get something that he wants done correctly. Right? Did you feel like you did a good job as a producer? Yeah, for sure. I yeah. produced for Impact a little bit, even in like emergency situations. My problem with producing is I don't want to do it until I have to. Right. I love it and I'm good at it, but. Being in the ring is is the be all end all. Like, and Father Time's undefeated, so I'm gonna be a performer, bell to bell, 
until my body won't let me. You know what I mean? Yes. It's, it's precious time to me. Like, I'm not going to just sacrifice that and for the sake of something I'm good at where that I can do when I'm a crippled old man. You know what I mean? No way. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. There'll be plenty of time to be that's grizzled the, veteran that's the, in a and, suit. And then actually, the, the day I got cleared, I didn't want to get saddled in that boat. So the day I got cleared, I went to Vince and it was like a like a bag. Like, I was like, please, that was an incredible learning experience and I really enjoyed it, but like, I need to be in the ring like as long as I can and I don't want to, you know, stop anytime soon. And he was, he, he understood. So that's great. Yeah. And that takes balls on your part too. Cause it's like, if you got a cushy, if you got a position that's working, I don't want to say cushy as if it's easy, but like, yeah. it's like, okay, everything's yeah. good to I be like, never, nope. I don't, smart. I don't think that's a great pro wrestling mentality. Like the sit back and collect the check. Yeah. It just doesn't, it doesn't work in this business. Yeah. yeah. And it works against that passion thing. It's yeah. also because the business is so weird. That too. It's such a strange right. thing. And like, like <laughs> yeah. everything yeah. you just said, like at the drop yeah. of a hat, they're calling Dude. for this. They're calling for that. Even it's, like when I got fired the second time, I just signed a five-year deal for like incredible amounts of money, and I'm like, oh wow. Then maybe you know, maybe this is where I finish this and transition to produce. I don't know, you know. Yeah. And then a pandemic happens. I don't even know what that word was before that became a thing. Yeah. You know, you just never know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. To go from winning the tag titles in your hometown stadium to a year later. WrestleMania is at the Performance Center, and you're released. It's like no, there's no way. It's it's, it's wild to look at it that way. Yeah, yeah. like that. What, yeah. what a crazy. Yeah. Yeah, you had your moment. Yeah, now that's it. That's <laughs> I mean, yeah, it. I mean, and along with whatever thirty other people they got yeah. like all that day. Yeah, ins yeah, insanity. Yeah, but yeah. how did you? Okay, and now before we go forward, how did your friendship with Heath Slater take off? I mean, the, because it's like I feel like you're. Your friendship with Zack Ryder, Matt Cardona has been so well documented right. right throughout both of your careers, even up until now. But Heath has been in the people that follow the Major Brothers universe, yeah, this side we, character yeah, the, throughout. The Major Pod multiverse, we, we call it. <laughs> and we have a lot of, you know, Captain Joe's shoes and a lot of characters that kind of intertwine and have become beloved. Yeah. Uh, so Heath, we first met in Deep South, actually, like literally whew, over... Eight, seven, 17 years ago? Yeah, 16 wow. years ago. But he was a non-contract guy who would just be allowed to like work out or come do jobs on TV, and then he worked his way to getting signed. And then, um, you know, we got called up, Deep South folded, he went his own way at FCW, and then I had my whole Edgehead run, and then I thought I was going to get fired again and put myself in FCW where he was, and he was like the man on top at this point. Nice. So we kind of rekindled our friendship there. Um, that's where we really got close because, you know, the year I was in FCW, you know, FCW was just a blast. You know, Dr. Tom's the best and all those guys. And then it just, you know, and then he went on to get called up on the roster years together. You know, um, we that last year or so, we all rode together, me, him and Matt, for the most, a lot of, a lot of the loops and stuff. And then he just, <laughs> we just, a lot of times we're like, hey, we have to do the podcast. Like, sorry, we can't like hang out with you tonight or whatever. But he wouldn't take no for an answer and like come and just like, post up in a room and drink and hang out while in the corner and then like couldn't help himself but get involved and that's how I think he became like so I think wrestling fans saw that side of him instead of the one man rock band BS that you see on TV they saw the real Heath right yeah which I think is what you get on Impact too now and that's yeah. another thing we started same day at Impact together and I kind of had to hold his hand through all that because he'd never been anywhere but WWE so um yeah he's just uh he's a, he's a great person and a great dad and not 
trying to be, but he's just absolutely hilarious. That's the best. Yeah, which is which is the real best part. Yeah. Yeah. When yeah, when you meet somebody that just makes you laugh by their existence. Oh, dude, I mean, he'll just man, he'll say something and well, it will stop the room. Like what? <laughs> my, my new favorite, if you haven't heard, and I'm sure you've heard because I say it so much. Is <laughs> we're just sitting in the locker room rapping one day, and then Pac goes, "Man, I got a big Cinco de Mayo booking coming up in June, man." <laughs> But he was dead serious and he had no idea what Cinco de Mayo meant. And I said, that's not even possible, but okay, pal. Yeah, yeah. yeah you have fun with that. Yeah. <laughs> sounds like it's going to be great. It's going to go, go great. Sounds like it's going to be awesome. Yeah. So what? Uh, how did you make the decision to go, I'm going to be a full-time impact guy? Because it's really interesting. When you all leave WWE the most recent time, a couple years ago, as much as like the world had shut because of the pandemic, the business itself had expanded with the help of your guys podcast and stuff on the internet and there's just there's still to this day so much going on inside the world of wrestling but you're like you've become kind of one of the pillars of this new generation of what impact wrestling is yeah so um totally shocked i mean we're all shocked when we get let go like i felt like there's i actually was like beyond my wildest i'm like there's no way they're gonna let us all go with like such uncertainty right but instead it was like oh, see you bro you know <laughs> it, like it was kind of it was truly blew me away but within that week i knew the the good brothers were talking to impact who were like two of my best friends and i knew i knew dreamer worked there and then he called me and he reached out and he kind of gave me like the the pitch i'm like coming and i was like you know what sure and then he got involved so now we're talking Eric Young, you know, so now we're talking like four of my really good friends to come into the school. I thought it was really cool. And I, I, to be honest, I didn't know I had kind of lost touch with Impact. Like, mm -hmm. and then I had watched, you know, TNA pretty religiously throughout, you know, my, my wrestling fandom. But at that, at that current time, I'd kind of lost touch with it. And then it was just kind of like one of the best things that ever happened to me. You know, it was like, you know me, I'm this diehard ECW guy. And that's the way I see it. I'm like, oh, this is like the land of misfit toys. This is, this yes. is cool. Yeah. Yes. There's something like, when I watch a an Impact show now, or especially when I go to a show, there's just something so wrestling about it, if that makes I, sense. I think it has something for everybody. Yeah. And that's what I think is great about it. And also, from working there, I know firsthand you get, like, to me, the true art form of pro wrestling is is the, just that. It's art, right? Like, it's like, it's not me being told what to do and to do it. It should be a collaborative kind of effort. Sure. And that's what goes on there. It's like, you know your opinion and thoughts on what you're doing matters and are heard yeah and that's how like i think the best stuff happens right they, they're going to get the best version of brian myers because of that right um, like what do you want to do well what if we also what if we did that right. and what if we did that and what yeah, if we did yeah totally yeah, yeah and it builds from there but how did you decide to go like because people can come into impact for a run leave come back mm -hmm. do a month here do a month there how did you make the decision to kind of go all in i mean i was just enjoying my time i mean one i gotta say completely grateful that in the pandemic you know for pretty much a year straight we did shows with no fans yeah which is a whole nother experience but to be to have a paycheck and to have steady work considering there was no live audiences um i'll be forever grateful for that right but then also in doing it i got to know the rest of the roster you know and become great friends with these people and the camaraderie there is second to none and i think that's to me like it's one of the things i love of wrestling so it's probably equal to the performance part is like the camaraderie and being on the team and being one of the boys like that matters to me mm -hmm. and an impact i get a lot of that and that that's a great feeling um so i was offered a contract and it was it was an easy decision to to you know 
be in for good. Yeah. Yeah, it probably also, like, helps you maintain that fandom where you're, like, when you can just go there and enjoy the camaraderie of it because yes. that's part yeah. of... It's like, no matter what happens, if I have a good day or a bad day at Impact, I'm going to go back to the hotel and smash some high noons with the boys and talk <laughs> shit and have fun and tell funny stories and, like, kind of almost negates, you know, the bad. You yeah. know what I mean? And, yeah. and, and accentuates the good. Yeah. Me. Yeah. How How wild for you is it as, like, a diehard ECW guy that... Like you have personal relationships now with so many of these people, like Tommy Dreamer specifically, right? right? Like a, this, a Rolodex, right? A Rolodex right. of ECW guys. They just kind of like, I gravitate to them, but then once they meet me, I feel like they gravitate to me because because I think they feel the the love. Um, yeah, I mean, like beyond my wildest, you know, it's my it's. I've loved wrestling my whole life, like I said a couple times here, but there was something about ECW that hit me like at the right time of my adolescence, you know, into manhood that it was just a perfect you know the violence the sex you know just everything the storylines the uh the good work rate stuff you know where you're like oh shit this is different than what i'm seeing on you know wwe or wcw so for these people to become my like good personal close friends is pretty cool and rewarding and time dreamer is like my wrestling dad at this point you know right. I mean, the things he's done for me over the years and now we've got to wrestle so much and um yeah i'll just be forever grateful yeah yeah it's pretty nuts when you like look back on it but i also it's also not that easy to look back on it because you're constantly doing stuff right? right like there's no when when would you yeah look back you're looking forward as all this stuff is kind of happening right that, that too yeah but like you know you get birthday texts from all these ecw legends you're just that's like, it well that's pretty cool that's awesome yeah. yeah 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 you guys are uh how did the uh uh how did the partnership relationship with moose so that kind of come about, man. That was like another one that's hard to explain. So Moose, I didn't know Moose going into Impact, and we just we've had like a very like, I would hello goodbye relationship for like two plus years, mm -hmm. and then uh, we did the Jericho cruise, and our wives started hanging out, which like forced us to like every time mingle more than ever, <laughs> yeah, and like we really hit it off, and um, we didn't even pitch it; just the Impact came up with us being a team. I love that the so Jericho it was just, it was cruise. Like, it was like this together. weird thing where we were already like really hitting it off as friends, and you know, um, now we're like really good friends. And I love Tagman. I think he's extremely talented, um, and just a he's a star. You know, he's a star for sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, I'm pretty excited that you guys are running the Westchester County Center because that's <laughs> you. I'm excited. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So did you? So there, you're running the Westchester County Center. Uh, what is it? The eighth and the ninth, ninth of September. Of yeah. September. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the ninth is the one thousandth episode, yes, which is huge. And the Dudleys, the, or the, the Team Three D, Team Three D, Team Three D, the beautiful people, yeah, D all D'Lo Brown, man, find get your uh, targets legend signed, yeah, um, that's good timing, <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, he knows it, he's loving it. <laughs> um, yeah, it's very cool. Um, I went to the one. I don't know if you did. Did you go to the one and only ECW show there? Yeah, December twenty third, nineteen ninety nine. Did yes. you go to that? Yes, yes me the, too. The the T the TNN taping, also obviously hardcore TV taping with Mike Awesome versus Masato Tanaka. Where he wins the belt back. Yeah. And then the super disappointing, it was supposed to be Stairway to Hell, just incredible Tommy Dreamer, but New York State Athletic Commission wouldn't let him use barbed wire. Yeah. So it was just like a ladder match. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember being there because like I went to the county center. I went, not only did I go to the county center for that ECW show, but I went to the county center for their one and only WWE ECW house show. Oh, wow. Which okay. I think was o Kurt Angle's. six Something like that. Yeah, I think so it was Kurt Angle's last WWE gotcha. match. Yeah, that makes sense. Period. Yeah. It was Angle yeah. versus RVD. I, I worked there a couple times with WWE live events, too. So that was like yeah. a dream come true to like 
I mean, that show, I begged my older brother to take me to that show because I, I was a freshman in high school. I didn't drive yet or anything. And he took me, and it's like one of those things I'll never forget. Like, I've become friends with Dorian and Roku. I'm like, dude, at intermission, you guys were signing, and I bum rush people to get my program signed, and I still have it. Like, things like that. Like, yeah. I was just, I'll never forget it. Like, it's just one of those very impactful and impressionable events in my life that. Yeah. Know. No, same. I was, I, I had floor seats. And I don't remember what it was like, you know, six or seven rows back or something. Yeah. And like, and you can look during, it's definitely during the Mike Awesome Masato Tanaka match because like the fans were really rowdy that yes. night. I think oh, that dude. probably led to I, why it was the one and only show. I mean, I have the unedited like DVD or Blu ray or whatever. And there's, I kind of forgot about this where Heyman comes out and apologizes that we're not going to get the uh, stairway to hell. And he goes, but this chick's going to show our tits or whatever. <laughs> and I'm like, freshman high school like, ah! like you know losing my mind i totally forgot about that yeah, yeah yeah so we're sitting there during the match and like these two rows of people are like fucking with each other like hey sit down no i'm not gonna sit down blah blah, blah. and so like they're shoving and at one point i look and the guy behind me is like he's like this like guy with glasses that just looks totally non-offensive non-threatening yeah. and he looks at his beer and he just like shrugs his shoulder and he takes his glasses off. He puts them in his pocket. And he just heaves the beer back at the Good people God. yelling at him. They got into this brawl. Like two rows of people got into this fight over there. If you look at the match. During that match? You can see. It's best match on the whole show. Best yeah. match. But you can see yeah. at one point Mike Awesome and Masato Tanaka. Like I think Mike Awesome might be on the corner sitting. And they look into the crowd because they can Cause see the commotion. Too, it's like taking over. Yeah, they broke one of the chairs in the audience. This fight did, mm -hmm. and everybody got kicked out. Every everything was fine, and the match kept going. And then one guy who was sitting who missed the whole thing because he was at the concession stands. I'll never forget. Yeah, he was carrying an ECW championship, and he walked back, and he was sitting in the seat that got broken. Oh no! So he just walks back to his chair and went, "The fuck happened? <laughs> <laughs> what are you?" But the like second that. I it was that atmosphere of that show that really like cemented my ECW like fandom because that was the first time I saw it live. Yeah, where I was like, "Holy, this is different." Because I've been going to WWF and WCW. This is this is different. Yes. Yeah. And New Jack did the dive off the balcony. Yep. That's, I was like front row of the balcony, not where he dove, but I sat in like the front row of the balcony. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So the fact that you guys are running that building is so and cool one of my last not one of my last but my last year of wwe we did a live event there and there's little known fact there's a major wrestling figure podcast that was recorded from like the basement of it because broski and i like snuck away and really got, got done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's another little trivia fact yeah that's awesome. a lot of history in that building yeah a lot of, a history. Lot of history. Yeah, yeah. broken chairs and podcasts yeah that's awesome yeah. Did you go to was that that was that the first ecw show that you went to or did you go to the queen's shows so i was like too young slash scared to death slash didn't drive right. to go to those. Same. So I didn't really experience those like the way I would kind of wish I did. But yeah. that was my first one live. Yeah. Yeah. And then I went to all the Hammerstein stuff and on, on the deathbed. Yeah. Which yeah. it's crazy. It's still crazy to think that they folded because like there's like not a piece of merch left at the stand. I there's know. like every seat's full. Every fan's losing their mind. It's just like doesn't yeah. make any sense. That last pay-per-view. I remember being there and it was full. Oh, nuts. Merch was sold, and but nuts. there was still like buzzing. Like, like, I think they're going to do the next paper. What's not on the schedule? It, in my mind, Jerry Lynn's like trying to like 
reinvent himself with this new look. Instead, <laughs> instead, you find out years later he's there and he didn't bring his gear because he hadn't got paid in weeks and he's borrowing gear. I'm like, oh my god, that's like way different than my mark mind made it up to be. But right, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're you're also like, and as an ECW fan, you're trying to paint it with the most optimistic. Oh, totally. Yeah. Like clearly, there's a vision here. Yeah. I feel bad. There's the. Uh, you ever see Barbed Wire City? It's a really cool documentary. This guy was like making it while ECW was going on and then picked it up like years no, later. No. But he's got footage of like a lot of the ECW guys like in the spring of like 01 when ECW was already folding. Like, and it's like balls. And he's like, it's coming back soon. I can't tell you the details. But like, and he's like, they really believed it. It's so sad. Uh, I know. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, that's the thing. They're not trying to get over on the fans. They they thought they really no. He truly thought like, oh, it's just a little hiatus. Paul's coming back. Don't worry about it. Yeah, uh, that's you know. that was a sad that was a sad time. But it also like even more credit to the fact that Impact, with as many times as it's had to reinvent Dude, what the product is, has unbelievable. Been like, like hanging on by a thread and back to life. And I think at, in, right now in such a great place. You know what I mean? Like, yes. I really I hate. That I have to explain this when I do interviews, but I'm like, I think Impact gets a lot of that, like, LOL, TNA, where people want to just say that to say it, and they don't give it a chance, they don't know with their own eyes, like, exactly, what the product right. really, truly is now, and it's yeah. so different from that bygone era, and it's, like I said, it's got something for everybody, and it's so good, and, like, there's literally people working their ass off there, and there's there's names you're gonna know, and, you know, remember, like, Fandango and Heath and stuff, but then there's also, like, people like Speedball and... Eddie Edwards, maybe that's never been on like you know a big TV platform that you haven't seen that that will captivate you. Like there's just something for the the knockouts division is I think the best women's division in wrestling. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's it's just got something for everybody, and it's just such a different thing. And I always say like, gotta give it a try before you just make your snarky remark about it. You know? I couldn't agree more, especially yeah. because like I and I I was at the show in Poughkeepsie like i don't know at this point maybe it was last uh, two eight two aprils ago no it was more recent than that i think, I think it was like i think it's maybe like it i think it's like a year and a half ago now wow yeah it was good but it was like i feel like impact is in such a good spot now because they know exactly what they are and they're like the best version of that i feel like all like the lol yes. tna stuff yeah ends up being when they're trying to be like a shrunken down version of yes, WWE or whatever Yes, I don't, I don't think it's else. trying to do that. I don't, for, certainly don't get that vibe working no. there. No. Like I said, it's got that ECW vibes. Like everyone's doing something to better the product. You know what I mean? That's yeah, they people, all, everybody believes in it. People, yes, and yeah. the people backstage, the people in the ring, it's it's everybody. It's a nice little like unit. Yeah. yeah. How, did, uh, how did Creative Pro become the feeder system for AEW? uh man that's a tough question to answer like in its entirety i mean i get i would say mjf right right because he was the first one and like you know aw i think was lucky to get him first and realize okay this kid's something very special and then i think he was like dude i got friends that are wrestlers who are better than that guy this guy and i think it just kept like you know sp you know spiraling like max caster somebody that like literally I feel like uh, what's his name from Beyond the Mat? Like Caster's ready. Like I felt like <laughs> uh, what's why am I forget his name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Roland, Roland Alexander. Yeah, Roland Alexander. So I felt I felt because I was telling people that two, three years before Max Caster got onto television sets, I'm like, this kid like has it. Like he's a ring general. He's so confident. You got one single tear coming down. Yeah, from right. <laughs> staying away from the Jack in the Boxes. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I just was telling people, and then like obviously like max was able to get through to somebody you know what i mean and people saw him and wow what a star you know like it's just an 
uh, Bear Bronson and Chris Statlander. They're, like I'm just like, I think he's just like, hey, these guys are there. They're ready to go. You know, Smart Mark, what he brings to the table. You right. know what I mean? And, like something that very different, you know, just. Yeah, and I guess as long as you don't have any duds, right? Like the fact that like people who come from Creative Pro, statistically, you just look at it and it's like, <clears throat> they all deliver. Everybody's it's, it's, doing well. And it's like kind of by design because like if you're a bad person, a shitster, you know, piss poor attitude, we we tell you, hey, thanks for no thanks. Like we don't need your money. Like that's what separates Creative Pro from other places because it was never set up. Oh, me, me and Pat Buck didn't sit back and go like, how can we make a lot of money? Ooh, a wrestling school. No, we just wanted like a cool place to train and, you know, have fellow passionate people about the business kind of be involved and that's what we've like bred for almost 10 years now you know and it's 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 shown so like they wouldn't even get to that point where like of course anyone could have a stinker performance but like it wouldn't get to that point where it would be someone like i'm like oh shit this guy's from creative bro it would never get to that point because they would never get even close right yeah yeah and i would imagine too who's going to recommend somebody who sucks no yeah, like if they're not yeah, no, ready to go that's like they, we're not going to like just let someone graduate if we don't think they're ready you know yeah yeah Yeah. are you do you enjoy like when you open a wrestling school did you kind of know how to teach right because teaching is one of those things that just because you can do it doesn't mean you can necessarily um teach it yeah i think it just came like uh second nature by accident so like i say this all the time creative bro came from a very selfish place like wwe was not using me right i was driving to pat's other school in jersey like losing, losing hours of my life once a week at least and i would kind of quasi coach there and realize okay this is like fun and something i'm naturally good at and then pat was like i'll open another one in long island i was like boom so i saw it more as like my personal gym slash playground <laughs> i didn't see it I was like oh i can't wait to teach these guys i, I kind of could, could have cared less about that you know i just wanted a place and then then i realized all this you know stuff that came from that you know like becoming people's wrestling dads and um, it, it's been very rewarding, but like not something I was seeking, you know. Right. But it's also because Pat and I aren't like two washed up wrestlers who don't even wrestle anymore. I think that's also we've like superseded a lot of people's training because we're in there literally grabbing hold of them and showing them how to do things. You know what I mean? Instead of just like, oh yeah, hit the rope. You know, we're not doing that. Like, right. We're sweating our ass off, like going through like full blown workouts with these dudes. And you're also aware of what the business is today. You're not trying to train for what the business was ten years that ago. That too, I have like current modern day wwe producer level advice for you right you right know, and yeah now in a pat with AEW, like it's kind of and he said he's done both now so shit you know we got everything yeah yeah, yeah. i also uh i feel like it's interesting advice coming from your perspective because it's one of those like everybody says about vince he wouldn't ask you to do anything that he wouldn't do himself but the only caveat on that is he's a maniac who will do any like he's not a True. human being yes, right yes but for you guys it's like you're like well i'm I'm only going to give you the advice that's worked for me but you're also one of those guys that's created businesses outside and put all that work in do you feel like i mean does it does it does it kind of blow your mind when you encounter people that still are averse to putting that kind of work in or to creating that stuff outside the ring. Yeah, but to me that that goes beyond wrestling. That's life, right? Right. Like anything worth doing is worth, you know, working for, right? And then that you reap the benefits of your hard work. That's that that goes way beyond pretend fighting in spandex. Yeah. That, that mentality. So yeah, do I feel like I have that cheat code to wrestling because I don't sit around with <laughs> waiting for something to happen? No. Like Matt and I are 
go-getters. Like, we make shit happen. Like, that's helped tenfold, trust me. But that, that's the way I am. I approach anything like that. You know what I mean? Not, yeah. just, not just wrestling. You know? It's interesting. So I find it interesting what, that... Sorry, no, you go ahead. Yeah. What really helps is that I love wrestling. Yes. So it's my passion. So it makes me a better husband and a better father and a happier person overall because yes. I'm doing what I love. Yes. So and that's the real cheat code. I am, I, am I working my ass off? Yes. Am I? Do I have good days, bad days? Of course, just like anyone else, even though I love it. You know, there's travel days from hell or just, you know, you're upset about whatever. But at the end of the day, I'm doing what I love and it makes it a lot fucking easier. And I think, I think too, that's such a good point. And I think that's such like a, a good takeaway. Also that you figured out how to have some control over it, right? Like you have these outlets now where it's like, I, I'm going to build the thing. Mm-hmm that I want, or even yeah. like the stuff in impact. It's like impacts, not your company, but you are building your role there. You're course, expanding yeah. what's, what's trying to possible. help in any way I can. Yeah. Right. That's important to me. Right. Yeah. Matt, Matt and I have this saying, and he says it, and I say it, you, you control, you can only control what you can control. And in wrestling, it's not a lot of stuff, but there's important things like your look. Yes. You know, your physique, your gear, you can always have top notch. You can always look like a star and then your attitude. Right. Right. And that makes a world of difference, you know? Right. Yeah. It's like, Number one, why are you doing this? If you're doing it because you love it, like love it. Don't yes. if you're if you're doing this because you love it and you don't Wrestling love it. Wrestling is too fucking weird to not, to be involved and not love it's crazy. it. Crazy. Yeah, it's just like right mind blowing to like. Yeah, I'm gonna get in a car accident four days a week and uh, be away <laughs> from my family. Like, why would you do that if you didn't love it? Right. It's an insane hurdle. Like, do right. Some, do something else. Yeah. But it's also figuring out how to make yourself undeniable. And that doesn't always mean like, I'm going to be the best wrestler in the world and win all the belts. Yeah. Like it's like being undeniable means that no matter what, like yeah. you could, this person could fire me. That person could fire me. That person doesn't give me work. I get blacklisted over there. Like I'm still of course, going to survive. I'm still going to make money. I'm still going to provide for my family yeah, and just do what you love. That's what the podcast has really helped that too. It's like right. good, good days, bad days. We'll still, we have something else to focus on and kind of, you know, it's our passion literally, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and it keeps you active in your passion, right? It's well, like way too much actually. Yeah, you you don't yeah. have the option yeah. of not collecting action figures. Nor, really. nor would I ever. You don't want. Nor it. have I ever entertained that option. Right. But right, yeah. right. But you have to. No, we're, we've become you know the spokesperson for right. something. Yeah, right. You and and that's almost like and I'll do that too with like whatever stuff I'm into. Like you build these things, so it's like no, and I think that it's a healthy thing to do because it's like when once you have a family. And you have like kids and you have a house and you have responsibilities. It's like, how can you justify right. having this insane yeah. hobby? What if it's part of what provides? Exactly. And that's, like that's, now we I, can I feel like we're on the same page of this cheat code kind yes. of thing that we got going on. Yes. It's life. Yeah. Like you build a life around. For sure, prior to the major podcast, my wife would be like, This figure thing, like not upset with it, but not as like into it or okay with it. Right. Now it's like you can't really stop me, right? Because this is like literally what I have to do to like, right? Yeah, and it's also to and provide, it, but and it's such like a big picture thing because it's, it's who like, you are. So even if people don't subscribe to the podcast necessarily when they go see you wrestle, they kind of know, like, oh yeah, he's got that podcast with with Zack Ryder or whatever. Yeah. And like, I also feel that way too about like modern wrestling with like kayfabe essentially being dead. It's like people at least my, i feel very in touch with my fan base yeah and i feel like they are they invest in me as the human being not my character because my character on impact is what it is i could go to an indie show tomorrow and be in a completely different you know whatever it, they're invested in me as the performer like it's not was it know. was it tough when you 
and Cardona were doing the rivalry on television, but doing the podcast. I, could, I mean, Impact was all into that, especially Tommy Dreamer, I'm going to blame. <laughs> um, and we said, hey, this is probably not going to work. Like, Matt and I will do it. And, we, and it was, dude, to wrestle your best friend consistently in a storyline with... You know, all kinds of matches, of course, super fun. But yeah. we're like, but I don't know if people are really going to sink their teeth into this and believe it. You know what I mean? Yeah, because we got this other business over here. We're yeah. not going to pretend we don't like it. And then I remember one time Tommy called me. He goes, yeah, he's explaining all to me. And he was like, but then just don't do the podcast for a little while. So people believe it. I said, Tommy, <laughs> if you only knew how much money that podcast makes. And <laughs> I said, don't ever bring anything up like that ever again because it's not on the table. But, we'll, you know, we it was, dude, it was a blast. And we had some really awesome matches, a lot of fun, actually. But I don't think it was very believable it's almost like when anyone in modern wrestling does like a love angle mm -hmm. but they're on instagram with like their fiance or whatever right. it's like no one's really gonna truly sink their teeth into this right like, it's just like yeah that's suspension of disbelief yes. can't, yeah. i can't go that far and then hypocrite dreamer and uh bully ray just did it <laughs> i'm busting the same open. exact <laughs> shit so like whatever <laughs> yeah. and i'm sure they had fun too because they're best friends and sure. whatever it's fine yeah but Sure. Yeah. And then, yeah. And I think that there's almost like this meta version where if you're really in deep, like you're kind of like, okay, I'll pretend to buy into the story because I know my favorite wrestlers are having fun. I think maybe that was like the that, sell. And yeah. then back to be totally hypocritical about something I said earlier in the show. I don't normally care about winning and losing, but beating Matt, <laughs> that rules. So that was fun. When you see Matt going kind of a different route than you with the with his career in terms of like, He's just not being locked down anywhere mm -hmm. every single weekend trying to get to as many shows as anybody can humanly possibly be booked for every convention, every like, do you go, was there ever a point where you're like, oh, maybe I should do that instead of this or the fact that you have this home base and a family? No. Yeah. We're, Matt and I, we live two very different lives, even though it's the same life. Um, I'm extremely proud of him and what he's done. And I always knew he could do it. Mm -hmm. He just had to like kind of rip that band-aid off and do it. And I think he initially was definitely lost or put all his eggs in that AEW basket that clearly didn't work out. And I think he was pretty lost about it. And then mm. um, you know, Smart Mark and I were nudging him like, dude, you can do this. And then he just got I already had the taste, right? We talked about it. my my first firing. I you know, I did all this stuff. He's never had the taste. So I mean he's he's going on these shows making genuine connections with fans at the merch table, having awesome matches, you know, main event and being champions places and then going back to the hotel room with a fanny pack full of cash. It's like, okay, I get it now. Like there's yeah. more, there's just, there's more than the WWE bubble. And sometimes you just gotta, you know, same thing with Heath. You gotta, you know, bust through it and realize, oh God, okay, yeah, I'm, I am gonna be fine, you know? Yeah. I just, things are different. They're certainly different, but I, but you're gonna be fine. Yeah. Um. So to me, and I also just like, like I said, I didn't, I had just found such a home at Impact right away that I haven't been trying to venture out and I don't want to. And mm -hmm. I, I love knowing my schedule between that and the podcast. Like, I'm so goddamn busy. And I take a handful of signings and indies here and there when I can, but I'm not trying. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm literally like not actively seeking them. Like, I don't even like answer my booking That's emails. Great. I know it's a great place to be. That's a great place. So, to but, be. but what Matt's doing is incredible. And, you know, unprecedented and he should be, you know, he should get his flowers for it. And I'm just proud of him that he's actually finally doing it. Cause for a while there, we, we were like, what is going on, dude? Are you like retired? You know? Right. Yeah. Was that before he started like the, I guess, 
the GCW stuff was it really Dude, he I want to say he did the two AEW matches in a in a year. Right. And then he, oh, as yeah. a favor, he did like I call it Hornswoggle Championship Wrestling in uh, Wisconsin. <laughs> he did that. Uh, ACW, sorry, Dylan. Um, he did that, and that was a get. Yeah. I mean, April to April, like that's his whole run. And then he finally had the Negage match, and like everything exploded. Right. And that was, I'll give Mark credit. Mark literally told him the day he was fired, like you need to have like a crazy match with Negage, and you'll just be everywhere. Wow. Literally, Who knew that? Yeah, I know. Yeah. Wow. And, and that was the recipe for. Uh, yeah, you know, to jumpstart things or get people to talking about them, you know. Yeah, I mean, forget about. It. I mean, that's and that, like the ounce of truth in that. That's where like, kayfabe being dead is like, yeah, but no, like you can still do these things that really capture people's imaginations. Like if you play, especially with wrestling fans, right? Because I feel like wrestling fans and sometimes wrestlers themselves, like you said, people who care about wins and losses and stuff like that. Yeah. Like they have this conception of reality mm-hmm. that doesn't always. It's not always true. Yeah. But if you can play with that conception well, of reality, sure. that's and That's money. what he's done. And then yeah. Matt has people that like are in on it and people that, I'm sure he has true heat where he goes, people are like, you know, fuck this WWE guy, he's yeah. rich and he's at this indie. And then I'm sure there's people who are like completely in on it, like, oh, wow, this is crazy. Like a rich WWE guy is at this indie working his ass off, getting hit with fucking light tubes and shit. Like, you know, right. I mean, then he gets the respect in that set. So it goes both ways where it's a success no matter what. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah or like, I love having conversations where people are like, they go, man, what he's doing is great, but I'm worried about him. I'm yeah, like, yeah, I what? Know. No, I, I, no, no, all this deathmatch stuff. He's had like three deathmatches, and no, they're all like, I, I don't even think it's that many. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, <laughs> like one, and then yeah. two chair shots yes. or something. Yeah. What was it for you? Uh, you mentioned it briefly earlier uh, when Impact was running shows during the pandemic, mm-hmm. and it was like you guys were empty room, sure. ring. That's it. Yeah. What was that like and what did you kind of i guess take away from it um like well like i said grateful that it happened right like it wasn't like there was just no wrestling going on um so the my first match was a two seg title match with eddie edwards who's awesome he's an incredible wrestler one of my good friends and i had worked him before a bunch so i like i was familiar with him and even then i was it was just your first day at a new place all these new faces and i want to like impress so i have like probably too much adrenaline to have this match. I'll never forget, we did our first thing, and he has me, like, maybe, like, an arm bar or something, and I could literally just hear the cameraman breathing, <laughs> which is not something I've ever experienced in my whole career. Like, yeah. a crowd so quiet, you could hear just the cameraman breathing. Just, I'm just like... Just... A, just and I, it just, like, threw me off. I'm like, what the f- is this? And, wow. like, you know, and I was all psyched up about it, whatever, and we got through it, and then I had to have another one later in the day, which is, like, brutal... And then, like I said, it was a new place, and I'm trying to impress and be in really like felt it. Fast forward ten months, man. Oh my god, they'd be like, uh, "Deanna's still in makeup. Does anyone want to wrestle?" And it's like two thirty in the afternoon. You're like, "Oh fuck it, I'll just go." And you just, <laughs> but then like everything hurts or whatever. I remember like one of my last pandemic matches. Jake something gave me a body slam on the mats on the floor, which is not fun, but not that bad. Yeah, you would have thought I was like Mick Foley, like throwing off the cell. I was like, "Fuck!" <laughs> Just because, like, just there wasn't that extra, like, adrenaline yeah. pump from the fans being there helping you. And I just become so comfortable with it and so used to it. Yeah. That I was like, Jesus, man. Like, so I'm gr- I'm grateful it happened, but I'm also grateful that it, it's over. It's over. Yeah. Do you, like, in your head, is there a soundtrack of an audience playing where you're like, I'm like, do you That's pretend the thing. You gotta have, like, take beats to be like, okay, people are watching at home and there should be. You, you can't just, like, 
power through something to get it done. It's it's tough, man. Right. It's just tough. And like I said, without that extra like fire in your belly, whew, man. Yeah. I think about sometimes like the uh, like the Dominic Mysterios of the world that really got most of their experience not in front of a crowd. I like know. their first, even even like McAfee, yeah. Pat McAfee, like yeah, he his first couple of matches right yeah we're in it's tough man that's, that's not, a weird way yeah, to start it's weird because that's part of the learning experience is feeding off the people and you know kind of improvising to cater to their reactions but when it's not there whew. yeah 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 um you were in uh the greatest royal rumble right yeah the uh titus world slide <laughs> you were there you got to witness that i was in gorilla <laughs> in person and it was one of the craziest things i've ever experienced just being gorilla and see like euphoric laughter like that <laughs> Euphoric, like from like, 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 which looking back on it was kind of cynical because he could have like really been hurt. Like he, if if he, people don't realize there's a center beam there, like that kind of stabilizes the ring. Like if he just missed it, so if he like went head on to that, he would have been really messed up. But thank God he didn't, and it was just comical. But and he got out quick. That's that's key too. Everybody knew it wasn't like even like a level. Like (gasps) there was never really that. Right. But I mean, I love the word. Euphoric laughter, though, because it implies like just such utter happiness. I mean, thirty people, just like, <laughs> like I, I've never experienced anything like in my life. Like, I mean, just like near tears, like just. And then, I mean, they replayed it so many times; it just kept going and going. And going. Yeah, it was like it was something else. Yeah. yeah, euphoric, and isn't it great that that after all the years of of going through it and being in wrestling that there can still be those moments of euphoric laughter. Oh, I people. mean, for sure. I mean, it, it, it's a moment that I think will never die, right? Yeah. yeah it's just, yeah. yeah. I mean, I th- he'll be known for that forever. There's nothing else that he's done that in wrestling, at least, that's, you know. Right. Not, that's going to be the first thing. And, Which is hilarious because it's like, this is what unless it, he comes and beats Roman, like, <laughs> that's all we're going to talk about, Titus O'Neil, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, that, I feel like that's his legacy, right? It's like Titus O'Neil is maybe one of the greatest human beings to ever exist in terms of being a human all, being. All his charity work is going to be secondary to that slide. But, <laughs> and also the slide. But it kind of was charity work for the happiness that it brought to everybody in the back. So, hey, yeah. put smiles on yeah, faces. Yeah, put a lot of smiles on faces. <laughs> I mean, just people, just producers and Billy Kibbinger, I mean, just keeled over and just like <laughs> tears of laughter. Like, just, <laughs> uh, <sighs> So, uh, County Center. September eighth uh, and 9th, correct? Mm-hmm. Right. So, uh, Impact One Thousand is on the ninth, and the eighth is the pay per view, right? You really put me on the spot here. <laughs> well, yes, eighth and ninth. I, I think Impact. It's a Impact Plus special, I believe. Yes, and then, yeah. but there's also—is there like a? I just saw this like yesterday. Is there like a convention? There will ish? be some okay. sort of meet and greet. Like I said, the beautiful people are back. Right. I think Awesome Kong, Team Three D. Right, and that's. Target Legend Zone, D'Lo Brown. Perfect. Yes. Scoop those D'Lo's yeah, up scoop now. Scoop those D'Lo's now. Get them now. Actually, I found the Chase. I need the regular one. But, I found yeah. the D'Lo Chase. It, I, got, I got a regular one off the shelf, and then I went to the self-checkout. This is, it's never happened to me before. I went to the self-checkout, and just in the little bag area that someone had left behind, Chase. Oh, wow. I went, yeah. Man, they didn't have the funds. Grab that. They yeah. Didn't have the funds. <laughs> yeah. Twenty two ninety nine. a little stiff. They were like, yep. I'm out. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Do you have? Uh, 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 yeah. And let's talk about the figures for a second. Oh, big rubber guys. Yeah, big rubber guys. I didn't know you had them already. I brought them to show off. Of course I did. And look, yeah. I mean, I try to, I try, I got these. I try to scam as many freebies as I can. Of obviously, course, of course. As, You're on as, Connect's list of the freebie guys. Uh, uh, <laughs> 
but I was like, I gotta, I gotta test these out. And now I feel like, and I wouldn't say this if I didn't mean it, because like the Bendies, for example, mm-hmm. I get the guys if they've been here, if they've done an interview in this studio, right. I'll get the Bendy, or if it's just some of that I really like. Like I had to get got the hacksaw, right? Okay. And cool. I got all the ECW ones. Right. But like I was like, let me see what these bigger rubber guys are like. That's that's so the I got, difference. I got the 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 you and you and Cardona. And I was like, man, I'm in. Like, I'm just in on all of them now. A lot of trial and error. Like, because LJNs have been re- replicated over the years, but never mm, to a T. Yeah. So it was a lot of trial and error. I mean, going back and forth and less telling them, like, no, softer, softer. Like, we got it to what we think is perfect, size-wise, softness-wise. Yeah, and, I felt like... Now di- we're off to the races. Like, <laughs> We were just at PowerCon uh, in Columbus, Ohio yeah. all weekend. There's a giant toy convention and... We were promoting the brand and stuff, and we had them all on the table for sale, and they're in the package. I'm like, I'm like, guys, no, we need like old school LJNs here so people can kind of understand that it's exact. So I, at one point, I go to the bathroom, and I see, I come back, and this guy's like a bin of LJNs, and I see him. He's got a Hogan and a Savage. I go, how much are Hogan and Savage? He goes, fifteen bucks and a selfie. I go, done. <laughs> <laughs> so then when we had them on the table all weekend, and people can really come up and go, oh my god, this is crazy. So yeah. like the nostalgia hits you, and the you know just everything we wanted. The that, reactions that we want, you know. That was the first thing that hit me when I, oh, there goes Ali and oh, Hogan. Right off my when, shoe, I saved him. He <laughs> no damage. When I picked him up, and you can see, and I don't know, you know, if you're figure fans or whatever, the way they move, but, uh, like, the WCW ones were a little too hard. Oh, yeah, that was totally different, yeah. Right. The Jack's Classic Superstars, they're small. It's too short and a little hard. Hard, and yeah. also they got super cartoony. Right. Right. Yeah. And then, I mean, I don't even know what the Jazzwares ones are. I, and then they have the good softness. They're just, too, we told. I don't know what, it, but it, our friend of like Jazzwares explained this to us. I said, well, aren't you going to run into the same exact problem that you <laughs> ran into with the classics? Because the, the packaging can only be so big in yeah. the shipper. So if it's, with, if it's not its own series and you're just mixing it in with ones, you can't make this one giant figure in a, in a case. It doesn't make any sense. Right. And it's the same kind of issue, you know. It's not going to be that size, right? Yeah, right. well, we have it's our own thing, so there's no rules, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that goes back to the whole philosophy on wrestling, like you just build it yourself, and and it's been. I mean, obviously, again, our passion, toys, and now we're making toys, and you know, Matt and I are in over 19 years in the business now, yeah, and we have all these connections and friends, and it's like, okay, we want this guy, all right, cool, let's text him, like you know, it's pretty freaking cool. We're, we're Wiring Ric Flair a shit ton of money. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> let's go. Let's get it done. You know? That's awesome. But yeah. did you have any idea, right, of all the politics that you had to deal with in wrestling, mm-hmm. right, to get to a point now where I feel like you're both kind of at this point where you're just doing your thing, right? Mm-hmm. There's probably a lot less of that to deal with. Yeah. But now you got to deal with wrestling figure politics. Oh, of like, course. there's always drama with but all these figure companies. And then Matt and I are, are the figureheads of of it too right so right. that's twofold we have our own company and then but also we're like the face of like the consumer too you know right that's like but that puts I, that and that puts added pressure on you big oh because if somebody puts out a product that sucks you have to say it sucks but if you put out a product that sucks that's even worse i probably shouldn't even tell the story but super seven made our ultimates now two years ago which is probably at this point my favorite figure of myself that's ever been i think the power town two-pack that's coming out will supersede that mm-hmm. um Loved it. So we immediately talk about wave two. We go back and forth religiously with, you know, what we want them to look like, whatever. The less than 24 hours before the pre-sale, they call us and say, oh, they can't be $55. They have to be $75 because of the, the oh. gear choices that you guys made and how much that's going to cost. 
So their their suggestion was to dumb them down and make them fifty five dollars. We're like, okay, one, we are literally wrestling figure critics. You want us to willingly make a superior, like inferior product? I mean, like that makes no sense. Like we 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 would be massacred. We would be against everything we stand for. Like yeah. we have to go with this seventy five. And it's it's unfortunate. And like seventy five dollars is outrageous for a rest one wrestling figure, but it's better than being a hypocrite. It's better than being a, a hypocrite dipshit really right. the way i saw it and right. i was like and now at least like and people have that choice right like you put your money where your mouth is and it's gonna be exceptional you know you know for sure but uh it, the things like that like if matt and i were just some scumbags trying to get a payday we would have been like all right go for it but we were like absolutely not like right. that's not even an option on the table dude right yeah yeah i mean this is what's your are you i was gonna say what's your favorite kind of retro line that you're most excited about that's coming back that's come back but i've i mean oh hands LJN, down, it's yeah. gotta be your, like, your we're guys already, like we're already working on like an andre that's gonna like tower over your chance because all the andres back in the head bent knees probably for the same thing to keep it proportionate in the box but we're right. gonna have like andre with extended legs so he can truly be the giant yeah um yeah it's it's just been it's cool to matt and i are, are do our part but then like ttd and connect do their parts and we've made kind of this like super team you know like we have the connections and we always kind of have like what we want them to look like, what would be best. Like we got Ric Flair coming out, but I was like, anyone can make a Ric Flair. Let's do like '80s promo suit Ric Flair. Like that's not really ever been done like this, and like people were very excited about that choice. You know, and it was a conscious choice, obviously. And it's kind of a, a, a tip of the hat to Vince LJN. Is there something to that where it would, like with the that hand was another thing, and this the was a Broski call because like these were really like the. We don't have no plans on making other modern day people. We made these like to see if we could do it. And of course, like we could just do ourselves. And if it's a failure, it is what it is. And mine is kind of like a Mr. Wonderful uh, For sure. homage. And Broski's is definitely Macho Man, which is very obvious. But we were like, people have been customizing LJNs for 30 plus years. So like, if we just do that, there's nothing really special about our product. That's right. So that we made a make, we're making it a point to make sure everyone has a very unique pose instead of just something you had seen already because then it's like you can kind of just carve this up and make it if you really wanted to right and if you want it to be a spiritual continuation of the ljn line they wouldn't make it based on old sculpts they'd that create too, new right? sculpts. yeah exactly yeah. yeah yeah well look man uh uh i'm excited for everything you got going on i appreciate you uh popping in here and, yeah, and always a pleasure what was the last time we did it? a long time ago it was now. a long time ago yeah? yeah quite a while ago wow yeah um yeah, I mean, sixteen, maybe yeah. it was definitely before the pandemic, for sure, for sure. So it was probably during your, f probably wasn't when you were in WWE when you were in here. I think it was like right before I went back. I think in so my too. Mind. That sounds right. Yeah, that sounds right. But well, then we did, we did a quick one at the studio, and then we did one at Sirius when yeah, you were back. Yeah, yeah, because that yeah. was I think that was when you were injured because we talked about you producing. Maybe. I think TJ was with you. I was you, just I going think. to Nick's game with yeah. TJ. I remember yeah. I stopped yeah. by. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad you stopped by today. Uh, um, I'll definitely be at the at the Impact shows. Yeah, and everyone else should be place. too, man. Yeah, Absolutely. give Impact a chance, man. I just really, I can't tout enough that Impact Wrestling really is. It's, uh, it's a fantastic product and an awesome place. And just know that there's people there working hard for the the, the benefit of the fans. You know? yeah, yeah, I think anybody that listens to this show would have a great time. It's just, a, it's their fun Shows right. Impact puts on fun. You know, one one, one company's being sold. The other one's got some backstage turmoil, apparently. Yeah, 
Give yeah. him back the chance. Are you gonna have any? For, if you're looking for something new, are you gonna have any horror villains at? Uh, oh yeah, at the we're, we're in talks with. Uh, <laughs> Heath's gonna be a Frankenstein. It's gonna be really great, guys. <laughs> That's awesome. I appreciate it, man. All right, thanks, Sam. Thank you.